This is the Working Drummer Podcast. Working Drummer Podcast. Featuring ground level pros from all styles and regions. Real drummers with real stories about making a living in music. Hey everyone, I'm Zach Albetta and welcome to Working Drummer Podcast. Once a year around this time, my co-host Matthew Krauss and I talk with our buddy Nick Ruffini of Drummer's Resource. This year, it happened to coincide with the corona pandemic, which is likely to be the weirdest and most consequential time most of us will experience, personally and professionally. So we talk about what this chapter in life means for each of us individually, some good things that can hopefully come out of it, and some resources for musicians and artists to get support. We mention a few by name, and there are links to those and more on this episode page at workingdrummer.net. If you want to help support what we do here at Working Drummer Podcast, we invite you to become a patron. Go to patreon.com slash working drummer, and a donation in any amount gets you access to exclusive educational content from our former guests. During this weird season of isolation we're going through, I think this content would be especially useful, and I know we'd be especially grateful. We're populating new content regularly, and as little as $1 a month gets you access to all of it. So here we go, our annual State of Things chat with Nick Ruffini. It looks like nationwide there are some organizations um, kind of mobilizing uh, with relief funds to help out musicians whose you know schedules have suddenly just gone up in flames. Mm-hmm. Um, Nick, I think uh, you and I both posted uh, about the the Musicare's COVID relief fund, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, talk and, about that for a second. And I don't know. I don't know that much about it. I know that that uh, the Recording Academy and Music Hairs both put up a million dollars into this fund, which sounds like a lot of money. Two million dollars. You're like, oh, that's a lot of money. But when you start to, you know, dispensing that to or dispersing that, I should say, to however many people, I don't know how much it's. I don't. I don't know how much it is. You know, for each person or how much how much pe- people get for it. But you basically have to apply for it, and if you qualify for financial assistance. Uh, then, then they will help you with that. Uh, the interesting thing too is if any, you know, if you're an employee, you can ask your employer if you're not working if they can officially lay you off, mm. so that you can collect unemployment. If you, it, not if you're a 1090, like if you're a 1099 employee, uh, a freelancer like most of us are, then then you can't get unemployment, unfortunately. Um, right, but if you have a job, even if it was a part time job as a as a bartender or something like that, or the band that you were playing with uh pays you as an employee, like you get a paycheck, your taxes are already taken out, and all that kind of stuff right you can absolutely file for unemployment um so I would that's imagine just, that's the that's case for some I, I would imagine that's the case for some people who teach as well, yeah, um, and the yeah. teaching I do is all ten ninety nine stuff so it's not doesn't apply to me, but I, I'm sure that some schools, some places have people um, on staff. Yeah, yeah. And um, I mean, you know, as you guys know, my family owns a restaurant, and and my brother just laid off everyone at the restaurant. Oh, Jesus! I mean, they're closed, and so so he's like, I laid everyone off so that they can go collect unemployment, and then when we open back up, I'll rehire everyone. But I don't want them to be sitting there, you know, without any money for for God knows how long. So. Right. So if um, we'll we'll put up a link to the uh, the music cares COVID relief thing, um, but in the meantime, if you just uh, Google 
like music cares covid relief fund i'm mm-hmm. sure you'll find your way and like nick said there's you know there's an application process i think they're going to be uh awarding like 500 to 1000 chunks to people mm-hmm. um you have to you have to show documentation that your gigs have been canceled you have to provide you know your your mortgage amount or your rent that you're paying like you kind of have to demonstrate that you really need this mm-hmm. the a couple other- hoops to jump through but it's definitely there the other thing to keep in mind is that if you if you're a teacher and you if you have an LLC set up of any any sort uh which I recommend that you do anyway if you're a teacher or if you you know if you're a gigging musician or anything like that because you can write off all of your taxes and there's some other there's some other tax shelters that you can that you can take advantage of so you're not paying as much personal income tax that's a conversation for another day but uh, but if you do have an LLC, the, the, the small business centers across the country are also offering loans at very low interest rates, uh, like recovery loans. So I don't know exactly what the interest rates are, but they're not, I mean, they're extremely low. The fed lowered the interest rate to zero, which means money is really cheap right now, but small business, all the small business development centers across the country are helping people, helping small businesses make it through this time. So there, there's disaster relief funds or they call it disaster relief, but, but, uh, but typically it's reserved for if you lose your business in a hurricane or something like that, but they're, they're qualifying this as a, as a disaster. So you can apply for disaster relief or economic relief of some sort. Same deal as music cares. You have to apply, you have to prove, you know, the situation that you're in. But if you're, if you own a, a school where you're, where you normally have 20 or 30 students and you've run that as an LLC and that LLC is now you know, not functioning because of this, this current situation, I would recommend that you go to the S just go to, you can just Google SBDC small business development center, and then your state and then see whatever, whatever, uh, relief funds they're, they're offering to people. Cool. I'm wondering about, I'm wondering about United way as well. We have United way of greater Nashville that is doing a COVID-19 response. Uh, there's been a lot of local businesses, uh, especially the tourist, uh, industry mm-hmm. is putting a lot of money into the entertainment district. Uh, I know that Nashville is not unique in, uh, it, but I think just with its entertainment industry and it being such a destination for tourists, uh, it's, you know, definitely putting a, a lot of stock into recovering, trying to make sure that that recovers is such a big part of our, uh, you know, economy here right Right. and you guys are just coming off the fucking tornado uh, yeah which (laughs) um matt do you know of any um like nashville specific organizations or websites that nashville musicians can Uh, go to unitedwaynashville.org okay cool yeah I'll, i'll send you a link to that uh there's been you know bill frist is a huge dr bill frist is a big entrepreneur here um my, I'm trying to get it here. My phone's messing up. Um, he's the chair of this organization. They're starting with a million dollars. Uh, the Nashville Convention and Visitors Corporation has made a donation of $500,000. So um, I'll send you that link that you can post as well. Uh, I know we, uh, the, at least working drummer, I know we have, well, and, and with Drummer's Resources, of course, we have a lot of uh, musicians uh, in this area that... Uh, listen to what we do you know i also also had um somebody post that we are already planning on doing it but we've had some success in my household 
contacting our uh, mortgage, some yeah. other some other people, uh, and some some bills, uh, a credit card, a uh, an old school loan, and they have started to put in place programs that allow you to suspend without penalty um, one, two, and up to three months. Now, with our mortgage, for example, we've decided to go ahead and do that, and we can continue to pay as much as we can. And if we can pay the full amount, like right now, over the next couple of weeks, you know, I, in the foreseeable future, I think we're fine. But it's you just we just never know. There's just yeah. mm-hmm. so much we don't know. So we're going to pay as much as we can. But if for some reason we have to take a month off, we've got that ability, and they've granted us that permission. That's that's great advice. And I know uh, a couple of weeks ago, Matt, you were talking about refinancing your house. Um, And now like we we are looking into that now because interest rates are like close to zero or at zero. So anyone out there who owns a home can significantly reduce their overhead by by refinancing right now. It seems like a weird time to do it. But not um, only if you refinance your house, you'll it'll save your overhead because your interest rate's going to go down, your monthly payment's going to go down, but then you get a cash out as well. So you could get, you may right. get a check for 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 grand, depending on how much, you know, how much equity you have in your house. Yeah. Right. The problem, the problem we're having with that right now is that a lot of these companies are so, they're just, it's just hard to get information to, to compile all the paperwork to get this done because mm-hmm. we're just not getting the response from some of these, uh, we're, we're kind of, we're, we've kind of stalled in the process, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. I want to mention a a couple other uh, relief fund type things um, that I've been seeing on the the interwebs. One is called the Sweet Relief Fund. I think it's similar to the Music Cares thing, just a national fund that you can apply for. You kind of have to prove need there. Um, I know the, the LA Musicians Union is working on something like this. So any LA area musicians who are part of that union, um, look into that. Um, and I've also seen, excuse me, I've also seen, um, some, some city based, like city government based funds set up, uh, for example, in Boston, I think the, the municipal government in Boston, um, you know, at the behest of, uh, you know, the artist community there kind of set up uh, a small relief fund for Boston area musicians and artists who are out of work. So you can you can look into that if your city is doing something like that. You can, uh, you know, apply for it or ask about it. If your city is not doing something like that, um, you can lobby your elected officials um, to to do that. And, you know, most of them obviously have kind of bigger fish to fry right now. But <laughs> um, I mean, it, it worked in Boston. I think the artist community in Boston uh, just kind of organized and mobilized and, and their local government responded. So there that is. What was the last gig you played? <laughs> <laughs> well, mine was Saturday night and it was jam packed. And there were tons of people dressed up celebrating uh, St. Patrick's Day early, and it was kind of scary. Yeah. And then we had uh, a couple gigs uh, scheduled for Monday that uh, got called off. But uh, the the people I was working with did a live stream, and it was very successful. Nice. And we're planning another one for Saturday. And... um, 
that is that has been a good way for people to stay busy, especially those in Nashville that work locally, maybe do the lower Broadway thing that mm-hmm. are used to playing three, four, five days a week uh, and expect that income. Uh, a friend of mine recommended a uh, a website called stageit.com mm-hmm. that's been around for a long time and uh, lots of artists all over the map. Uh, Notable artists, established artists, and uh, up-and-coming artists have been using Stageit.com for many years. But I have a feeling that this is going to be kind of the new platform. And uh, that's going to be one of the platforms along with, uh, you know, Facebook Live or whatever. But people are, uh, you know, with with Venmo and, and Cash App and all these other things like that, people are finding creative ways to get paid for their live work. Mm-hmm. It's cool so, with Stage too, because the, you can sell tickets, you can set the ticket price, whatever you want it to be. Uh, you can't make it free, which we're going through this right now with Rhett Miller, who's a, who we produce his podcast, so he's, he's doing um, some live shows from his house, just solo shows. And you can't make the tickets free. The cheapest you can make them is 50 cents, but they have to buy $5 worth of, they call them notes, so it's basically like credits. Um, but it's cool though. I mean, you know, you can, if you're a drummer, you can do a clinic and say, Hey, I'm going to do a clinic from my studio and it's going to be 10 bucks per person. And you come in and, and we'll, you know, we'll do it up. We'll do it live as they say. Right. (laughs) (laughs) That's cool. That's cool. Um, I played uh, Friday night, uh, and we, like, we all pretty much knew it was going to be the last gig for a while and the you know the crowd was really light uh you know just because of the circumstances um but it it was it was actually kind of cool like i was playing with this uh this shakespeare and jazz project um that this gig that matt actually hooked me up with an old friend of his from college this guy daniel kelly great pianist um put this project together using shakespeare text to to use for jazz songs Hmm. um so we did the we we did like a week-long run kind of in and around nashville and the last the last one was friday night and um it was a really cool vibe it was weird but it was a cool vibe because like both the band and the audience knew that like this is probably going to be it for a while yeah um mm-hmm. so we all we all kind of took full advantage uh spiritually nice. <laughs> you know i think um, that people are going to remember how much they uh they love live music too yeah uh, um, i think so uh, i think so you guys want to hey, know the last talk- gig i played <laughs> yeah yeah well, uh, before you tell us, uh, sure. could, Zach, can we talk about uh, my finder's fee? Uh, <laughs> I was worried about it before, but I am now. No, I'm <laughs> I think there's, I think there's some payment in. Uh, just shoot him over your Venmo info, and well, he right. he made us a very wonderful dinner. That was great. So that suffices for sure. Cool. Yeah, he is. He is quite the chef. Tell you what, man. Yeah, it was fun. We'll do the next round table uh, in person and he can cook for us. I like it. That would, yeah. Well, it'll be just like chewing sounds the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> Zach, you and I can have a cook off. Oh, man. It's going yeah. down. Yeah. It's going yeah. Down. That'd be great. I, I'll, uh, I'll judge. <laughs> I'm actually not that I can just, I can cook Italian food. That's about it. That's all I got. Uh, that, uh, yeah. Well, that works. That's, that's enough. <laughs> yeah, that's yes. True. Please, please. Yeah. 
It's it's like yeah. saying all I all I can do is two and four, but that that's enough. That'll man. work. That'll get you paid. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. Uh, you know, Nick, I am curious though. I was I was interested in our conversation today because you had posted not too long ago, just a, a really cool thing. Like, hey, I took some time off mm-hmm. uh, from playing. I needed a I needed a break. I need to kind of hit the reset button. Yeah, and and it's okay to do that. And we've had this conversation in this roundtable before. Kind of how pride gets in the way of doing what's right for yourself, yeah, for your family, yeah. And uh, it, you did that, and you're like, I'm, I'm feeling this, I'm feeling this love for the drums again, and I'm ready to get back in it. Man, it's amazing. And it's, then this shit happens. <laughs> yeah, which is actually, it's kind of, I. This is gonna sound uh, inappropriate, but it's sort of like a blessing in disguise for mm-hmm. me, like in terms of in terms of practicing. So, like I've been I've been played a gig since 2018, right? I haven't sat behind the drum set and play. I haven't played the drums in a year, literally. Mm-hmm. Like not sat behind the drum set. I have a practice pad in my in my uh, in my office here that I you know that I'll get 20 minutes here in or 20 minutes there. But like almost had had i was just disinterested in playing i had no yeah. desire to play out i had no desire to practice any i was just like i was i was getting burned out a little bit and uh the interesting thing is because i feel like my passions were elsewhere like building drummers resource and then i started that other company i started revoice so i was like really into that and i and i still am very very much into it and we're like expanding into sports which is super exciting for me um and I don't know what happened. Like I just started listening to some old music that I used to listen to. And, and all of a sudden like the fire is back and I'm shedding a lot more. I got my drum set up. I started taking lessons again. I'm like, Mm. I pulled out all my old notebooks and I'm like going through, you know, all the stuff that I was practicing years ago. And, and it's like, it's like riding a bike. It's like, you know, it's that thing you know, I mentioned on that Instagram post that you had mentioned, like when you love something, even though the passion may dip away for a little while, when you come back, it's still there for you. And it's all mm-hmm. in, and, and I feel like I got back behind the kid and it was like, it was like, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm still here for you. You know, I, I know you stepped away for a little while and I feel more creative and, and I feel just a lot more excited about, about playing in general. And I think one of the keys was I've, I, I had a conversation with Billy Martin a long time ago from Modesky Martin and Wood. And, and he's the one that sort of gave me the permission as weird as it sounds to like, go, you can do other things. You don't have to just be drums, 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 drums. Like, you know, Zach, mm-hmm. we were talking about you with cooking, right? Like, right. So you can be interested in other things. And coincidentally, I had a conversation with Billy the other day and, uh, and I kind of got to the bottom of where, where that, uh, where that sort of disdain came from. And I was in my own band that I started and I was in that band for 15 years and we toured all over the country and I loved it because it was my band. I was making decisions. I was sort of, I had a lot of creative control and then I did the sideman thing for a little while. And that's just not my, not my deal. I just, I don't enjoy it. I don't creatively. I don't, I don't like it. Um, and I think it's fine for people who do and, and, it's just not for me. And I feel like I was in this weird spot where I didn't have my own thing and wasn't getting to be really creative and, and didn't want to go and be a sideman. So I was sort of in this middle ground where I was just uninspired to do anything. Um, 
so so now that all that being said now uh i just i feel like i want to go and explore some new creative things and like changing my setup and buying some new gear and and not that you need new gear to to get out of it but like oh no you absolutely do (laughs) (laughs) go buy gear go buy gear i mean actually like i'm i'm making a joke but like you know, a new piece of gear that you're really in love with will really inspire you to spend more time it will. on the drum set. It I will. was emailing with a, a student's uh, mom recently today, and, and she was like, you know, could you talk to him about just practicing more regularly because we got nothing to do and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, and I, I responded that I will talk to him, but um, I'm going to send her another email and tell her, like, if you can afford it, like, Grab him a new cymbal, grab him a new snare drum or something like get him something that, you know, lights a fire under him. It's like, oh, yeah, I want to go play. Um, so never underestimate the power of <laughs> new well, toys or, right. or vintage or vintage. Toys. Yeah. <laughs> well, for some of us who have gear that's just been collecting dust, it may be resurrecting that symbol. Yeah. Or that old snare drum, put a new head on it and discover something about it or maybe a tuning or something that has uh, inspired us from a past guest and some of their creative uses. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, no, I, 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 I found that really um, enlightening, Nick, when you posted that. And I, I, I'm feeling uh, just a, a little out of sorts uh, the last year, just as far as uh, my growth as a musician. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this whole situation that we're dealing with right now is forcing me to take a little bit of time and focus on what it is that I love about drums and not feel like I'm scrambling to learn songs for the next gig and trying to take care of myself physically in between playing and traveling so much. But just kind of take a break and rediscover that passion. Maybe not take a break the way you did, mm-hmm. but for me, this is like a big deal to not be playing a lot. But right. I'm, right. I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to it in in a in a in a more healthy way, have a more healthy relationship with my drums yeah. than I did before. The yeah. thing that I was going through a lot was if I would go and practice, I was like, what am I practicing for? And mm-hmm. like I'm not I'm I'm not trying to get a gig with a songwriter or or I'm not trying to be in a backing band and I don't want to do weddings. And just so everyone's clear, I'm not saying all this like I'm above that or anything else. I did yeah. it for a long time and I just don't want to do it anymore. And that's my, right. you know, that's my prerogative. Um, and so I was sort of like, what am I doing it for? And then I think over this last year, getting creative inputs from different things, from different industries, from being around different people, all those sorts of things. Now for me, it's just creative expression. And that's why I want to play the drums. And that's, right. and whatever way I can do that, if I can put, a trio together or something like that. And we can, and we can go and express ourselves creatively. I would much rather have a full-time job that pays my bills and I can just go play drums for total creative expression and just do that. And like, I would be totally fine with that. I would would be more than totally fine with that. I would be extremely happy to do that. Right. So in, in terms of that creative expression, I'm, I'm curious as to like how you're reentering the atmosphere. Um, because the, in, in the same way that you've been sort of disconnected from playing and the, mm-hmm. and the drums for a while, I have been, uh, disconnected from jazz. Right. Like I was, I was so just immersed in it for so long. And, and for the last few years, 
Um, you know, I haven't been playing it. I haven't been listening to it. Um, and over the last few months, I, I've sort of intentionally just started re-entering that atmosphere, like putting it back into my listening rotation, um, and, and practicing more. Um, but I'm, I'm being really careful and intentional about sort of what I let in, um, in terms of what I'm working on or what I'm listening to, because I think part of what made me turn away from it for a while was that, um, it was just kind of overwhelming or inaccessible or I was like, if, you know, if I'm not going to be Brian Blade, there's no point. Um, mm. and, and what I realized is that I, I don't want to be Brian Blade. I want to be, you know, Max Roach and Victor Lewis and Philly or Joe. Or Zach Albetta. Like that, isn't that the goal, right? Yeah. Yeah. But, but what I'm saying is just like the style of playing that, that speaks to me is the more like the simpler, more groove oriented, um, jazz playing which you know in 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 the jazz uh canon there's tons of Mm -hmm. um so i've been sort of intentional about about listening to that kind of stuff practicing that kind of stuff and and trying to kind of recarve a lane for myself in in the jazz world um with that kind of playing or you know obviously bill stewart is like one of my mount rushmore guys right um but so in in your re-entry into drumming like are you being sort of careful and intentional about like what kinds of expression you want to pursue or is it just kind of diving back in anything and everything um what's your approach uh, it's actually the complete opposite. So for uh-huh. me, there's, I'm not putting any restrictions on, on anything. So I'm, I'm literally like, I'm a lot of times I'm walking into the practice room and I'm not even, I'm not even going in there with an agenda. Mm-hmm. I'm just sitting down behind the kit and I just, I just start playing. And sometimes it's, it's grooving. Sometimes it's me just making all sorts of noise and you know it sounds like a trash can falling down the steps and like it's just to me it's it's more of like just this raw emotion that i'm that i'm trying to express uh behind the kit and so what like i'm listening to i'm listening to a lot of uh a lot of stuff that i listened to when i really got into drumming so like it and it sounds crazy but i'm listening to Modesky, Martin, and Wood, but I'm also listening to Counting Crows, and I'm also listening yeah. to um, I'm listening to a lot more Fish, but not because of the drumming, more of the guitar playing, and like and trying to like steal some of those melodies and apply them around the kit. Uh, but I'm also listening to the way people talk and the way that you know the trees are making noise, and 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 it seems all all really esoteric. But I'm sort of like I opened up the the floodgates, and I'm like just I just want everything coming in, yeah. And then I can pull pieces of of inspiration out of that. Like I one of my things back in the day that I always did, like I always carp, uh, compartmentalize things. So I'd be like, mm-hmm. I'm working on rock, I'm working on funk, I'm working on jazz, mm. I'm working on the, and I think that it it hindered my my development for a long time so i want to be cautious of not doing that i'm not like i'm shedding funk now and i'm shedding jazz now i'm like i'm just fucking playing music yeah yeah you know i'm just express i'm just expressing myself that's it it's cool you mentioned that because in in my re-entry into jazz um like one of the things I'm I'm trying to be careful about is to apply the things I like about my playing in other types of music 
to how I play jazz. Mm. And I think that was one of the disconnects for me before where, you know, there would be certain certain styles or certain um, situations where I felt really good about how I played and how that made me feel. And and jazz wasn't doing that anymore right? Uh, because I, I just had too many voices in my head when I was playing jazz. So like. <laughs> when i'm when i'm re-entering it now i'm i'm trying to approach it with just that same um uh you know like you you mentioned like be be zach albetta you know just be me like maintain the things that you like about your playing that you know you're good at you like make them show up in your jazz playing too Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah producer friend of mine uh talked about you know all these people say i need to practice like when i was a kid i practiced six seven eight hours a day and he said, you know, when Eric Clapton was a kid, he didn't shed for eight hours a day. He listened to music. He hung out with friends. He lived life. It informed him on his approach to music. And, you know, what he plays, he doesn't play like Ingve Malmsteen, but guess who has a bigger following? Right. Right. Guess who connects with the audience? Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing that uh, you made me think about, uh, a recent guest we had, uh, Kip Allen, a young 26-year-old drummer who's really great. Yeah, he was he was killing. Really g- creative. And he talks about finding his own voice. It's like we have our heroes. His hero, you know, not you know, has been like Steve Jordan, but more recently Aaron Sterling, as is for so many of us in his tone and his approach. But you know, Kip is like, okay, I'm getting I'm reaching a point in my life where I need to find my own voice. Yeah, I want to sound more like Aaron Sterling, but I'm never going to sound like Aaron Sterling. I'm always going to sound like me. Where do I draw inspiration? I'm paraphrasing here, but basically he's saying, you know, where do I draw inspiration from some of my heroes? But if I want to get hired and if I want to work, people need to hear me for who I am Mm -hmm. and Uh, Because he, he, at at this age, he already recognizes that Aaron Sterling is is in direct, he's in direct competition with Aaron Sterling, which seems like a mind-blowing concept. Right, right. But but it's like, how can you think that? Like, oh, the nerve. No, (laughs) no. But but he's already worked with the same producers Mm -hmm. that Aaron's worked with. He's already been on some recordings that he shares. So I'm like, it can happen. And not uh, only that, like, sorry to interrupt you, but I tell people all yeah. the time, like, if you want these big pop gigs, okay, well, your competition is Brian Fraser Moore, your competition is Lil John Roberts, your competition is is Aaron Spears. Like, okay, yeah. are, can you are are you better? I mean, can you hang with those guys? If you can't, then you better get your shit together. Right. Well, I, I'm a, I'm on a recording. Uh, Eddie Bears is on some of it, and I'm on that recording as well. Right. So, like, at what point now? I can, can I do what Eddie Bears does? No, I can't. But what do I bring to the table and how do I draw inspiration from these players? I, which I will continue to draw inspiration from. Yeah. But what, what can you do? How do you spend your time in the practice? Where do you focus your attention that not only, um, satisfies scratches that itch, like, like Nick, you're talking about, uh, you know, just kind of like exploring and, and Zach, you're talking about, bringing in elements that you enjoy so that when you're playing it feeds your soul but is also a true expression of who you are mm-hmm. and you know people are going to come out of the woodwork and be like that's the guy i need for this record that's the guy i need for this song mm-hmm. 
and and that's it. And and man, yeah. Yeah, I, I was I was watching um, a Steve Gadd video. Marcus Finney posted um, just a clip of you know one of Gadd's solos. I think it was from one of the Burning for Buddy things because he's wearing the tuxedo and doing the whole thing. And you know it was like a minute long, and it was just it was just you know typical Gad. Like he did the you know thing, and and you know did some other stuff, none of which was really complicated. But like he was just. He was just playing his ass off and like bouncing up and down on the throne and making faces. And I commented to Marcus, I was like, this is a good reminder that you don't have to do a lot. You just have to mean it. Yeah. Like mm. if if what you play like is what you truly mean, um, that's what comes through. Whether you sound like Aaron Sterling or Eddie Bayers or yourself or like mm-hmm. if if you've done the work of like figuring out like this is what I want to play. This is how I want to sound. That comes yeah. through. You know, part of the part of the reason why I was sort of running away from drumming, uh, and I, it took me a little while to realize this, but I and I've always said like I think that there's a difference between the drumming business and the music business. And me, I consider myself a musician, and I just happen to play drums. Uh, and a lot of the stuff that I that I see, and this isn't a knock because I think that that I'm in the same category, but every like i just everyone sounds the same and i yeah. just look and it's just like it's like some crazy pattern across over the drums and it's like uh, dynamics are at 13 and it's just like and people are like oh my god this is so amazing and i'm like this does nothing for me nothing yeah. and i think that i was seeing so much of that like mm-hmm. i a lot of times i need to practice what i preach and get off social media but like i would see so much of that stuff that I was, I'm just totally disinterested in it, right? Mm-hmm. It blows my mind, sure. and there's a place for it. And if it gets people into playing drums, I'm all, I'm cool with it. But there's a reason why, when, if I go on YouTube, I'm looking up, you know, Steve Gadd. I'm looking up Steve Jordan. I'm looking up Billy Martin. I'm looking up Elvin Jones. I'm looking up all of these people who had their own voice and played musically like there's a there's a clip of steve jordan in i think it's in forks or bentley's i can't remember which one and he sits down to play and he gets another guy to come up and he's like oh like someone from the audience he's like why don't you come up and play with me and you notice like they both sit down and steve starts playing the other guy starts playing and the other guy's like doom doom god it's a good doom god ching doom god it's a good doom ching right and steve's just like and like never does a fill Never, you know, never hits a symbol. Yeah. Just like, and it, because that's what Steve Jordan does. And for me, that's where a lot of, a lot of this, like, hatred's a strong word, but like a lot of this uh, disdain for, for music and, and drumming was coming from because I was like, there's, there's, it's just not doing it for me anymore. There's yeah. just not enough, there, there, there's not enough creativity. And then, I was like, wait a minute, you can find all of this. You just got to go to the right places. But there's a reason why I think Aaron Sterling sticks out. There's a reason why Nate Smith sticks out. There's a reason why Nate Wood sticks out. Right. And we could, the list goes on, but like, there's a reason why guys like that stick out. And then like, we can list one drummer and 50 other drummers underneath them. And all of them sound the same and they all have blazing chops and they could play circles around all three of us combined. But like, I, it just doesn't do it for me. And maybe yeah. I'm some old, like, no, you know, no, because, guy, but... you, 
You know, you make a distinction, though, between the, the drumming business and the music business. And I think that's a really apt term because there are new ways for people to create and have it have an industry in playing chops and, and doing all this stuff that get tons of likes and follows and endorsements within a drumming business, the drumming community. And, and you know, that can be cool. And we've all gone down that rabbit hole. But uh, there's also... We, you have to re, remind people there's another there's a music business that when you go to work with a band or go to a session, you're not asked to do all that crazy stuff right. like mm-hmm. you see on Instagram. You're asked to lay it down. You're asked to be to be sensitive to the music, to open your ears up and sometimes do the simplest thing that you wouldn't even consider practicing, mm-hmm. you know, that just just grooving with the click and you're like man i didn't do anything crazy on that song and the producer's happy and the songwriter's happy and they've got three more sessions for you next month Mm -hmm. right i also don't think that you you know i i don't think that let me rephrase this i feel like a lot of times all the messaging out there is like listen you're a drummer just sit in the back play time groove that's your job and that's racist man (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and i don't talk to zach talk to zach about that <laughs> but i and I, I don't agree with that you know i i think that i think that you should have your own like no one would ever say that steve gad didn't have creative expression on every song that he played yeah no, no i right. think i uh, not to cut you off but i i no, i know what you're saying i know where you're going with this i think that even at the in the most simple stripped down groove it's still your voice right, because yeah. Because keep in mind, not only are you bringing your time and your feel, you're also bringing your tone, your mm-hmm. touch, and that's an element of of why or why not, or why you get hired or why you don't get hired. Right. And I think you're absolutely right. I think um, a, like a stripped down groove has the potential to be even more your voice than um, than a solo or chops or or whatever. Um, because there's, there's nothing to hide behind. There's no, like the more information you add to your playing, the more it covers up like who you really are and how you really sound. Right. Um, so playing a super stripped down groove, it's like, it's like, you know, when, uh, professional chefs bring on, you know, apprentices or whatever. And they're like, make me an omelet. Like, don't make me your fanciest bullshit or whatever. Make right. me a fucking omelet and we'll see if you actually know what you're doing. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. so, so, uh, like, you know, getting in touch with how you sound and what you want to sound like playing those kind of stripped down things, um, make producers and your fellow musicians, um, not necessarily your fellow drummers, but the people who actually give you work. Um, you know, you can just sit down and play and the way you play that is going to make people with ears that matter take notice. Mm-hmm. Right. It's, it's, and- I look at it like if you look at all anyone, I mean, all of us drummers are the same way. Like we're all contradictory, right? So if, you know, we talk about all that, we're like, oh man, like James Gadson on this tune is grooving his ass off or Gad or whoever, insert any, you know, amazing grooving drummer, right? We're like, oh man, that shit sounds so good. And then we get behind the kit and we're like, and it's like, no one, no one is inviting anyone over their house. And like, they're like, oh, everyone's like, yo, let's dance. And you're like, okay, let me put on this like 
Tony Royster solo. Right? <laughs> and just to clarify, like I did, that wasn't a shot at Tony. I love Tony. Like yeah, his yeah. playing is amazing. I'm not saying that, but like, or in, let me rephrase that. No one's like, Oh, everyone wants to dance. Let's put on this nine minute drum solo, you know, uh, like this choppy drum solo. It's just not. So I think that's where like the disconnect is of like, everyone knows what they like and everyone knows what feels really, really good. And then we get behind the kit and we don't do that. It's like a, I look at it like a quarterback being at practice all day with a fishing rod casting. Like, what are you doing? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm practicing. It's like, well, yeah, but that's not the shit you're going to do in the game. Why? What are you, what are you doing here? (laughs) Yeah. I look at it that way. I don't know. I don't know why that is like why we're so afraid of space and why we're like, why are we so afraid to just, make it feel good and it, that doesn't mean not play a lot of notes you can play a shitload of notes and have it feel good too but like i i just i don't i don't know i don't know the, I, why our brains work that way i think though there are there are really easy ways to to do that challenging that kind of feed our drumming brain and also help us like uh zach and i have been working on this master class and one of the things we talk about is uh you know how to spend your time in the practice room Mm -hmm. uh going above and beyond what's required for the gig so like offsetting the click and playing on the ands or the e's or the uhs or the upbeat of a of a triplet uh there's also uh doing left hand lead so you know, those are things that I think feed our drumming brain without being chopsy, but but kind of get us closer to how to create a really strong time feel mm-hmm. at the same time. But there, I also think there's a subcategory to this conversation, Nick, in that uh, we we are all kind of what is our intent when we walk into the practice room and what are we looking to do? And uh, so a lot of this has to do with how do we prepare ourselves to get hired as sidemen? Sure. You know, and so if, if, if your desire is to create your own band or, uh, do your own project, then some of this stuff may not apply. I mean, it's important to reach your audience, but maybe it's less about connecting with your audience than it is musicians that are potential employers. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and how do you approach drumming in that way? Like, this is my fucking band. I'm going to do whatever I want. I'm going to create this kind of music. And, and my audience is going to be, they're, they're, they're going to love it or they're not. You know, I mean, I don't think, I mean, certainly, you know, to use Rush as an example, you know, Neil, those, those guys weren't thinking, hmm, how are we going to get hired? You know, when I, when I play on this record, I want other you know, producers to hear me so they can hire me to play drums on. Neil's not, Neil never thought that. It's right. like. They did their thing and they created their own audience. So, like, how do we do that? Mm-hmm. Well, they they made the music that they really wanted to make, and it resonated with people. Um, so, I don't I don't think it's necessarily um, um, mutually exclusive. Uh, this this reminds me of um, right. years ago when I saw John Schofield play, and he did like a Q and A before the uh, before the concert. And to to me, John Schofield's playing and composition um, just like straddles the line between, you know, like, cause he'll, he'll satisfy all the jazz heads and then he'll like his music also appeals to people who don't listen to jazz, mm-hmm. um, because it's super accessible and a lot of it's super funky. Um, so he pleases both of these camps. And I asked him like, 
is that intentional on your part? Do you look for that line? Do you like, you know, do you say, oh, this is too jazzy. I got to make it a little more accessible or, or this is way too mainstream. I got to spice it up a little bit to satisfy the jazz heads. And he said, no, I like I make the music that I want to make. Um, I don't worry about who it's satisfying or who it's turning off. And he said, I, I guess that, you know, just the music I want to make, yeah. you know, happens to ride this line, but you know, don't, don't worry about that line. Like if you're, if you're making the music you want to make, it will resonate with people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I, I mean, I think that's, that's been demonstrated time and time again, you know, like unless like outside of the pop world, I think that that's, that's most of the, that's most of the, like if you look at like, you look at Mark Giuliano, right? Like obviously an amazing drummer. Uh, the stuff that he plays is, you know, a lot of the stuff is, is pretty out. Right. Mm-hmm. And not super accessible, like from a, from a pop perspective. And when I say pop, I mean, just popular, not like, not like, you know, Justin Bieber pop, but, right. uh, but he has a, he has an audience, right? He has a great yeah. audience and he's, he's the same way, you know, he's like, I would, I, I asked him, I said, would you rather, if you had the choice between playing full time and having to do some stuff that you didn't really want to play or having a, having, being able to play everything that you wanted to play, but you would have to like, go get a day job to do that. He's like day job any day of the week. Yeah, you know he's yeah. like artistic expression. He's like that's all I care about, and mm-hmm. so, um, but just you know agreeing with your point that like if the music's good, and you're I don't even know if the music has to be good. I mean, if as long as if you're making the music <laughs> that you want to make, and you're making yeah. the music that you want to make well, then. I think that you can find an audience for it for sure. Right. And Mark Juliana didn't, didn't acquire, um, you know, that, that, uh, his, his style of playing, um, cynically saying like, I'm going to develop all these chops and all this crazy shit, um, and, and be a drum hero. Like that's the music that really comes out of him. Right. You know, the kind of player he is, is not stripped down or simple or sparse. Mm. Like it's active. It's like, there's a lot of shit going on in his head and it all comes out. Yeah. You know, that's really who he is. Um, and that's why he's resonated with so many people because he means it. Yeah. And you can tell that he's not, he's not up there. He's not faking it. Right. You know, right. Like when you watch him play, like when he's spazzing out behind the kit, like that's real. That is raw emotion that he's feeling. He's not like, let me play, you know, this pattern that I worked on in my shed and I'm going right. to copy it and paste it into this performance right now. Yeah. You know, and I think that's the, that's the difference between a Mark Juliana versus, because, you know, there's plenty of people who have far better chops than Mark. Right. Yeah. But like, yeah. I don't know, expressing it as creatively and, and, you know, as, as he does, I think that's because he means it. Everyone else is like, I bet everyone else, everyone's going to love this choppy thing that I'm doing. This episode is brought to you by drumsellers.com, the niche marketplace where drummers, drum retailers, and drum manufacturers buy and sell their gear. List your drums for sale for free. And the only fee is 4% if it sells. Simple. Check out all the new used vintage and custom drum eye candy at drumsellers.com. I have a feeling uh, a lot of us are going to find out what it's like to have a day job. Yeah. Drums on the side in the, uh, you know, I've already, 
taken steps towards that as far as, you know, doing some uh, Uber Eats and, you mm-hmm. know, stuff like that. Just yeah. anticipating, just not knowing what the future is, not to bring it back. So, <laughs> both yeah, man. well, I think we always talk about like where we're at right now and, and like where our head is at. Uh, and because I, I, I want to ask both of you guys because uh, I'm in a position now where, you know, obviously my money is not coming from from playing anymore, where it was heavily a couple years ago. So I'm interested to know, like, what what's your thought process? And like, would you guys take a day job? Like, I look at Uber Eats or something like that as, sure, it's a day gig, but it's sort of a flexible freelance kind of yeah. thing, right? It is. Um, yeah. Like, would you guys, what are you guys thinking? And, and would you go out and, and get like a full-time day gig and like play at night or, or whatever? I'd be interested to hear what both of you guys say. Well, I can speak for myself that right now, uh, I, there's a lot of, there's a, so many musicians in town that are trying to find creative ways to earn money. So I'm trying mm-hmm. to see what's going on with that. Like I said, the live streaming, that's going to bring in some, some income, not to the degree that it was before, but still. Uh, and then also just taking baby steps, being, and being proactive, mm-hmm. but not setting it all not not putting it all playing aside you know i i we're we're i think we're all hoping that this we get through this quick uh as quick as possible but i'm trying to be realistic i I have i have a family to to take care of Mm -hmm. Uh, so man you know i i'm i'm doing the um what is it grubhub that's what i yeah, I've, I've I've gone through the process to get the background check and apply online. I have I just need to take a few more steps to complete that. Mm-hmm. That I started yesterday. All those skeletons are going to come out of the closet, Matt. <laughs> background check. No, no, I know. I hope you I hope you guys don't mind. I put your yeah. names down as recommendations. <laughs> oh, you're fucked. No, you can. Like, we once, to play we the once drum. killed a guy in Utah, but I don't think that's <laughs> Thank God it was Utah. That's okay. Right. <laughs> no, you uh, you can be trusted to play the drums. You cannot be trusted with people's food. Right. Right. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to to make light of the of the situation. No, no, I mean so so that's that's where I'm at. But you know, and then you know, I was I, I saw my friend Mike yesterday, who's got a full time gig, and they're producing videos and doing all this stuff. I said, you you don't need an assistant, do you? And he looked at me. He's like, well, and so I mean, I, again, I, I've I've always said if I don't play music full time, it doesn't matter mm-hmm. how long play drums in some capacity and this is really testing uh my resolve with Mm -hmm. that yeah so let me so as part of this question i'm gonna i'm gonna ask zach the same exact questions but so for you uh if based on the conversation we were just having would you rather be in a position where you could work full-time and play only the music that you want to play or would you rather play full time, play some of the music that you would like to play, but then also do some other gigs that maybe you don't necessarily want to do, but they pay the bills? Well, Zach probably knows this about me. I've done that for a very long time. Mm-hmm. I've, I've always been more interested in working as a full time musician mm-hmm. than pursuing a more artistic pursuit. I find joy in uh, in allowing my voice to speak for me within what others would see as a confined situation uh, playing playing styles of music that maybe a lot of people wouldn't consider you know like 
a drummer's world. Mm-hmm. So like country music or play in groups that do mostly covers uh, or work with songwriters that aren't, it's not super challenging. So, I mean, I, mean, I, I really enjoy the creative process with, within that and where I can express. So it's never been an issue for me. Um, so I'm, I'm very open about that. And that's that's a that is a path that a lot of uh, musicians decide to take, and and that's fine. I mean, mm-hmm. I've been in original projects that definitely feed my soul, and I still dabble in that. But that's not what keeps me busy. Got the, the, yeah. The the other thing I think that 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 I see a lot of people doing is they're posting things on Instagram and they're posting things on social media and say, "Hey, I'm ready to do any home recording." And, and that's great, but everybody's in that position now. Right. Right. So how do you differentiate yourself Mm -hmm. from the pack? Um, I'm starting to do the same thing. I'm not going to wait around. Uh, but, uh, one of the things that I'm doing is I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do the drum set thing right away. I'm doing percussion. Mm -hmm. Oh, cool. And and I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, I'm taking a page from again, Kip Allen's playbook he posts tons of great instagram videos short videos and people are like oh this sounds great you do that at home cool not covers not full-length things not chops yeah. not over-the-top drumming just good grooves good recordings this is what i do at home 30 40 second clips and musicians around the world see that and go i need that on my record right mm-hmm. That, that's been a big takeaway for me of one of our, I wanted to ask you guys kind of some of your guests. That's a, maybe another subject we can get into is just some recent guests that we've had that have been inspiring. Yeah. But that's, yeah. that's, that's what I'm doing. I mean, like it's, when we're done here, I'm going to be in the practice room a little bit and then I'm going to get the more percussion out and do some more recording mm-hmm. and, um, and then post it and just kind of see, and man, I got a response within 20, less than 24 hours on a tambourine video that I posted. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And I love you this played. because there's all like, there's, you know, there's all different perspectives here. So, so Zach, what about you? Where, what's your, what's your thought process right now? And, and what are you, you know, like, where are you at with everything? Oh right now? shit. <laughs> well, first I want to say that Matt, you played the shit out of that tambourine, buddy. Thank you, sir. Uh, it's called a it's called a tambo. Uh, yeah, Tam- you tamboed so hard. No, it sounded <laughs> it sounded great, man. It was great. Um, so our position is, I mean, my my wife works from home, um, and her job really hasn't changed a whole hell of a lot right. uh, in the last couple of weeks, and hopefully won't change. Um, she uh, she works for a firm that does um, marketing and branding for private schools, and there's obviously no classes going on right now. But a lot of schools are taking this opportunity to to get their uh, you know <laughs> to get their marketing and branding together. Right. Um, I uh, I mean, as far as you know, taking another job or a full time gig, like it it may very well come to that. And and you know, we've talked about that. Amazon is hiring a, a ton of people. It looks like. Um, and, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. I, uh, I was thinking about this today and yesterday, um, over the last year or more, I've been doing, um, a lot of teaching about 30 students a week. And up until a couple weeks ago, my focus was on doing more legwork, um, to get more gigs, better gigs, um, so that I could step away from teaching. 
um, because, you know, I, I like teaching more than I used to, but it's, it's still not my favorite thing. I would much mm-hmm. rather be playing on any given day. Um, so for the last year or two, you know, my, my income and my time has been kind of maybe not 50, 50, but, uh, like maybe 60, 40 playing to teaching. Um, so the place where I teach is, uh, is this great spot called guitar shed here in Atlanta. It's kind of an independent school of rock type place. Mm -hmm. And more than half of my students, um, have switched to Skype. Um, and the people that run that, uh, that company have been super helpful in just, you know, facilitating, communicating with parents, just getting all the students and teachers switched over to virtual lessons. So, you know, this, this thing that I've been focused on trying to get out of (laughs) for the last two years, uh, has ended up providing me with a little bit of stability, some, a little Mm -hmm. bit for the foreseeable future, um, so, uh, so there's that, um, my church gig that I've been doing every Sunday has been switching to live streaming. So we're just, we're going in to an empty church and live streaming a service and staying six feet away from each other. Um, so that income is still there. Um, but, uh, you know, depending on how long this goes, um, and, and what kind of assistance, the government is willing to give people over the long haul. I could, mm-hmm. I could definitely be, um, in, in that very same situation soon of just like looking around and saying like, okay, what job is there to do? Like, right. Right. <laughs> can I and join th- a land? I'm guessing you're thinking like on a temporary basis, right? Until Sorry? Sort of like, I'm guessing you're, you're thinking as on a temporary basis until the smoke clears. Yeah, but you know, you never know. I mean, this this could be a grand reshuffling of uh, of the music industry, um, and uh, you know, some some people like like me and Matt who uh, were you know made our income just playing before. Uh, on the other side of this, a year or two from now, we you know our income, our life might look uh, a lot different as far as the ratio of, you know, playing to teaching or playing to, you know, driving a truck or something. Right. <laughs> yeah, know. it's true. If, if this all goes away tomorrow, it, it could it could change, profoundly change the way things have been being done. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's weird to think about, like, you know, in, in years past, I would kind of imagine this, you know, I, I wouldn't go as far as to say as this is a, a post-apocalyptic situation, but, you know, some situation in which, you know, humanity is disconnected, uh, you know, music isn't really a thing anymore <laughs> um, in, in the way that it was before. And, and that's extreme language. We're a very long way from that because right. music is definitely still a thing. But um yeah, like here, here we are. We we find ourselves in this situation where you know the thing, not only the thing that we made our living doing, but the thing that we identify ourselves with, um, is kind of on pause, or at least you know very very different than it was two weeks ago. Yeah. Um, so uh, so yeah, I'm you know long story short, I'm I'm very open and ready and willing to do whatever needs doing to uh, to make some money when when we need it. Yeah, I saw, I saw a post from uh, Nick Buda. It said, uh, "Your grandparents were called to war. You were called to sit on the couch. You can do this." I think we can. <laughs> yeah, I think we can yeah. get through it. There it is. There it is. <laughs> yeah. I've been training my whole life for this. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.
on the subject of kind of what we were doing before this, um, I was in the process of getting my room together here, um, trying to do some home tracking. Um, and this, uh, this is a, you know, a great excuse to, to really dig into that. I'm not going to have, I'm not going to have the resources necessarily to put into it that I was in terms of, you know, buying some mics and, and interfaces and, um, and whatever else. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, it's on my list today to contact a couple of friends of mine and just say, Hey man, can I borrow some mics and just bring them to my house and start messing with stuff, you know, just hibernate, learning how to use that stuff. Nice. Um, so, uh, so hopefully, you know, by the time, like you said, the smoke clears from this, um, I'll be in a, a much closer position to, to being able to just set up shop, like, pretty much like everyone else. And then I'm, I'm, I'm faced with the, you know, the question that you guys mentioned of like, how do you differentiate yourself, um, in that environment? Um, but, uh, I'm looking at, I'm looking at this as, as an opportunity to, uh, to dig into that process. And I'm, I'm experiencing so much of what, like you mentioned, um, interviews that it inspired us. And this is an old interview that we did a couple years ago, but, um, I always remember the interview that you did, Matt, with Hubert Payne, um, Mm -hmm. talking about, talking about when he first started putting his room together and working on home tracking, he was like, I didn't know anything. I didn't have anything. He was like, I started, I started with an SM 57 and just started learning how to use that, <laughs> you know, yeah. in garage yeah. band. Uh, and that started the process for him. So I'm, I'm, you know, basically, basically there just at the beginning of this long process of learning this stuff and figuring out how you're going to do it in your room. Um, so it's a, it's a little bit daunting, um, but it's, it's exciting and, well, um, and it seems much more doable now that I have all this time. <laughs> well, not only that, but I think we're, we're also have our podcasting recording experience that, you know, uh, you know, Nick, you've been doing longer than we have, but like when I first started, man, I, I didn't know what I was doing. And so yeah, I neither, feel like that, has, neither did I. that is but I mean that 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 has helped me in it, it transferring that information that I've learned about editing and using a DAW in the in the production of the podcast uh, and using those uh, tools. Of course, I, I. But to your point, Zach, I th- I think that a lot of us don't spend the time that we need to watch the YouTube videos to really take the time to understand compression and EQ and all these things and mic placement because it just seems. Our time is so limited because we have to practice for the gig or learn this song or make sure that, you know, we're getting time with our family or spouses and and whatever. And so there's so much on our plate. This might be uh, one of the things I I wrote down in in preparation for our conversation. It's like what might be some of the good things, the positive things we can take from this? Mm -hmm. Um, My wife and I sat down with our two boys and had a family meeting and she made a list of things that we want to do during this she, downtime. She posted it. I saw it. That was great, man. Yeah. Uh, and, and one of the things that we added to the list was just really find something positive, keep our spirits up and, and come away from this as just not letting it like overwhelm us mentally and physically and spiritually. Like, what can we finally do with with our time that we weren't able to do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's an, um, it's an interesting time because it makes people 
I believe it makes people go back and do the things that they always love to do, but they always quote unquote didn't have time to do. Yeah. You know, yeah. like I, I bet, you know, people are reading more and people are, yes. are you know, are per, maybe making more music or practicing more or, or, you know, whatever, writing more or whatever it is. Right. You know, I think that people are saying, oh, I forgot how much I love to do this because, you know, because I stopped because I had to bring Johnny to soccer practice and I had this other thing going on and I was working late and then I had to go to this meeting and then I had this thing and that thing. And all those things are, are, are off the, uh are off the table for right now. It reminds me of, of the, you know, Mark Cuban, the, uh, yeah. you guys know who he is. Uh, he, I, uh, I don't, he's, he's, he's made sure we know who he is. <laughs> Mark Cuban, <laughs> is a, uh, he owns the Dallas Mavericks. But, uh, but one of the things I, I remember him saying is like, don't follow your passion, follow your effort. So like, what is the thing that when you have free time, what is the thing that you go and do? Like, do you, you know, do you read, do you write, do you go on, on YouTube and watch videos about airplanes, which is something that I may or may not do. Um, <laughs> but, Busted. but, uh, so he's like, you know, those are the things that, that you really love and you should try to move into those, into those things or at least spend more time doing that. So like now when everyone has all this free time. What do they find themselves doing? Take television off the table, right? Like, what do you find yourself doing? I think that that that's a very eye-opening thing to to let you know what you what it is that you really love. Right, right. Yeah. Can you imagine the? Can you imagine like the songs and the records that are going to come out of this yeah. season? Like and the ba- people and are the, ba- the, and babies. the babies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, the uh, the coronials. <laughs> oh man! Uh, there you go, man. Did you make that uh, up, or did you read it somewhere? No, I, I stole it from somewhere. Uh, I can't remember. Um, I but I mean, it, this is like going to be an intense period of incubation uh, for for a lot of stuff. Um, and mm-hmm. I think you know the the three of us individually have have stuff that we want to work on. And and yeah. oh yeah, he's got a guitar. Look at him. There you go. That's Look not out. Mine. Um, yeah, I, I just, you know, whether it's, whether it's a new skill or diving deeper into something you love or, or both, um, I think this is going to be a time for, for all of us to, uh, I I think a lot of us are going to come out of this time with, a a clearer sense of who we are as musicians and what we want to do as musicians, um, instead of, uh, you know, like like me and Matt, I think in the last couple of years, we're kind of in the same boat, just getting caught up in um, the assembly line of gigs. You know, learn this set of songs, do the gig, learn this set of songs, do the gig, do, do the session, learn this set of songs, go to the rehearsal, do the thing, you know, and it feels great to work. It feels great to, um, you know, I, I always talk about this uh, kind of like blue collar work ethic mm-hmm. that I like about being a gig and musician. Um, but you know, it, it gives us a chance to really step back and, uh, not only think about what we want the next chapter of our careers to look like after this, um, but like really actually work on it, like take steps towards it. Cause you can, you can think about it, but if most of your time is taken up, you know, by the, the regular gigs and the daily life and all the adulting shit, uh, that we all have to do, it's hard to actually just stop and put some effort into something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're all stopped now. <laughs> yeah. Well, here we are. I think we're going to, we're going to be asking ourselves some, some tough questions. And, 
And it's, it's, that's, that's maybe going to be one of the positives of all this. It's going to really force us to evaluate what it is that we're doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we're spending our time. I agree. Yeah. Well, cool guys. Anything else? Yeah. Anybody want to want to touch on? Anybody I mean, t- watching something on being binge watching anything that we have note? Yeah. I'm not a TV guy, so I'm going to defer oh, good to for you, Zach man. on that. Yeah. No, like all of the 28 hours in Nick's day are already taken up. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't watch TV. It's just no. Not. Some people, some people don't, and I wish I was one of those people. For I don't, Christ's and sake. I'm not like <laughs> this. Isn't me standing on a high like I grew up. Like my parents don't really watch TV. Like they watch the news and and whatever. But like I just didn't. I didn't grow up in a household where we watch TV a lot. So now, yeah. like if my wife, my wife always has it on like in the background. But if if uh. Um, like if she goes away, I won't, I just, I won't turn the TV on. I just don't, yeah. I just, I, I don't I, even, I don't even the, think to turn it on. I'm just, well, you, you never got in the habit of watching TV because your parents were always like, go to the restaurant and wash dishes and fold napkins. And <laughs> that is a, that is a true story. I, I started work. I used to have to leave little league practice to go to work. And I think, I think Bob's burgers is based on Nick's life. <laughs> I don't know what that is, but see exactly. <laughs> but I used to have to stand on a milk crate and wash dishes because I couldn't reach yeah, the. Yeah, yeah. The sink. He was Louise. He was he Louise. Milk crate. Come on. What's that? Uh, <laughs> you too. Man, good thing I'm not. I'm not self conscious about my height. <laughs> couldn't care less. People are like, "Does it bother you?" I'm like, "Not even in the least." I'm like, yeah. I don't, "It doesn't." I never even think about it. Good, good. And nobody asked me to grab shit. That's like I'm like, not nope, sorry, man. I can't, can't help you. Oh, I've had strangers ask me to grab shit at the store. Like, yeah. see me standing there, and they're like, "Holy shit! Oh, can you reach this? How, t- how tall are you? <laughs> I'm six five if I stand up straight. Got you. I'm five that's... seven if the humidity's right. <laughs> oh, God, I never feel short until I saw I saw Zach last week, and he came. I'm like, man, you are. I, just I forget how tall you are, man. How tall are you, Matt? <laughs> I'm six two. Oh, wow. that's no slouch. Oh, I'll slouch. Wow. Yeah, I know, I know. Anyway, so back to the the TV thing, Nick. You can you can mute this. Um, <laughs> uh, we're we're watching uh, this Netflix show called Sex Education. Um, that's oh, yeah, about a, a high school kid in England whose mom is a is a sex therapist. Um, it's hilarious and awesome and amazing. Um, I just got into the marvelous Mrs. Maisel on Amazon. Um, I'd imagine that uh, the next season of uh, The Handmaid's Tale is is going to be forthcoming soon. Um, and uh, The Crown on Netflix. Like we're really into a lot of British stuff, like Sex Education and The Crown. Um, so uh, so yeah, that's that's well, super what I chill, got. super chill British show, uh, The Detectorists. <laughs> I have not uh, heard of that. Okay, yeah, it's some recognizable people in that show, including one of the guys from the BBC version of The Office helped create it. And it's about these two guys and their metal detectorists. And it <laughs> seems the weirdest thing, but I tell you what, man, it is so well written and so well done. I've There's only two seasons, you know, as the British, as the English do, they keep it short. Mm-hmm. So I think there's three seasons, and uh, I've watched it twice. Cool. It's amazing. It's it's so chill, and man, you'll forget everything. It's so good. Cool. Oh, I do have one. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I mentioned my so, my, my wife watches. It's called television. The Simpsons. It's been <laughs> around. 
I full disclosure, I will I'll once in a while I'll sit down and uh like I'll eat lunch or whatever at my house and I'll turn on Hulu and I'll put on like a Seinfeld rerun. Oh yeah, yeah. sure. But then yeah. it's like if I'm, if I'm done eating in 10 minutes, then I just turn it off. So I don't watch the whole episode. It's just right. Like, you don't, you don't have to. That's, yeah, that's, that's the, the point of that show. Like you can watch five minutes of it or you yeah. can watch eight episodes of it. And it's, you know, it's amazing. <laughs> okay. way. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, every night when we go to bed, like my wife likes to watch like 20 minutes of television and you know, before we go to bed. And so she would always put on like these, these like true crime shows or whatever. But, My wife does the same thing. But so here's weird. the thing. We watch 20 minutes of it, and then you never know what happened. So I've seen like 100 of these episodes where I don't know what happened, right? Because we only <laughs> watch 20 minutes of it, and it's an hour-long thing. So, I've no, so I'm like, we can't do this anymore. So we started watching Shit's Creek. Uh, oh, cool. oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you guys watched that? Yeah. I think, it's, I think it's hilarious. Then again, I don't really watch television, so I'm like, oh, this is, what, this is a television it's, show. and it's, It gets it's better. It's Canadian, yeah. so I like it. Yeah, uh, I think it's, it's pretty funny. chill, and it gets better. The writing gets better over time, and yeah, yeah, I think it's pretty. So we'll lay in bed and like because the episodes were were original or originally on network television, so they're only like twenty minutes because of commercials and everything. So it's the perfect like you get in, you know, like watch one episode and then I'm like, all right, lights out. So cool. I got I got one more, which is uh, the it's an old one, but we're on our third or fourth time through watching uh, the West Wing. Oh yeah, that. yeah, yeah. I that show that. is. I mean, if 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 you want some some hope about you know how we want government to work and how we want people in government to uh, behave, you know, it's not idealistic. They're not they're not perfect characters. They're all very flawed. But um, it's just brilliant writing by Aaron Sorkin. And you know, you you come away from every episode being like, man, that's that's how it should be. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I might rewatch The Wire. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and 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 if you don't know it, uh, uh, look up. There's a podcast uh, that follows every episode of The West Wing. Oh, really? Yes. <laughs> Why don't I know Zach's about this? Eyes <laughs> 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 you, you basically like you were you were like, hey, I have a uh, I have a superphonic that I'm gonna just send to you. <laughs> like that's basically what you. His, he was like, oh, really? <laughs> 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 I need to start watching it. What's the uh, name of the podcast? Uh, you know what? Because I've never really watched the show, but people are just like, "Oh my gosh, you got to watch blah blah blah!" And then oh, I save the link to the podcast, and it is called "The West Wing Weekly." Okay, cool. Yeah, I'll check that out for sure. I'm sending you a link oh. right now. Cool. Well, right on, guys. You know, up until uh, a couple of weeks ago, this was this was going to be kind of our regular check-in about where we're at uh, in our careers and what our goals for the next year is, and and uh, et cetera. And it it was that, but uh, <laughs> just <laughs> under a, a, against a very different backdrop than than we thought it was going to be. So uh, hopefully, we can do this next spring, and uh, we'll all be back on track with. Uh, the things that that we were hoping to work on before two weeks ago, or maybe some you know completely new stuff that's uh, developed since then. Yeah, and hey, let's look at the bright side. We, at least we have this technology to be able to do this. You know. Yeah, 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 me. yeah. I've got interviews coming up that's going to be over the phone for sure. Yeah. Yep. Cool. All right, dudes. Good to see you, man. Well, good good deal, to see guys. you all. Stay safe. 
Be well. Wash, wash your hands. Wash your hand like a mother. Wash your hands. Like a motherfucker. <laughs> All right, guys. Yeah. I'll talk to you soon. Hey. All right, Just take it easy. Bye. Thanks again to Nick for hanging out. Hope there was some useful info there for you, practically or spiritually or both. Once again, go to this episode page at workingdrummer.net to find links to the organizations we mentioned and a whole lot more. And I would also encourage you to check in with your state's unemployment program. It is now possible for freelancers like us to get some benefits. Next week, Matthew Krauss will bring you his interview with Kari Pavala, a drummer and entrepreneur based in Helsinki, Finland. Until then, stay safe, stay home, stay sane, be smart, be well, hang in there, and thanks for listening. Cheers. Cheers.